Welcome back to the Teen Challenger Southern California podcast. Before we get started, we wanted to let you know about a 24-7 prayer and help referral line that Teen Challenger Southern California just launched. Beginning today, we're going to periodically share with you some of the anointed messages and engaging and relevant conversations that were recorded as part of Arise United 2020. Arise United was a two-day live stream event that TCSC hosted that brought together worship, preaching, and conversations that focused on the love of God and the unity that His Spirit can bring when we come together. There will be much more to come, but let's tune in and listen to Pastor Rich Guerra's message from Arise United. No matter what your need is, if you're anxious or worried or stressed, you can call anytime, any day, and a Teen Challenge staff member is there to pray with you. The number is 888-520-0620. Once again, that number is 888-520-0620. We're so glad that you've chosen our podcast today. We know that there's thousands of podcasts that you could be listening to and you've chosen to listen to ours and we thank you for that. One last thing, if you're blessed by these podcasts, Don't be shy to tell your friends and family about them. As you listen to these sessions, our prayer is that you would sense God's presence, that you would hear His voice. And most of all, we hope that you're encouraged in the Lord today through these podcasts. Remember to subscribe today to our podcast if you haven't already done it. Be encouraged today. Hi, I'm Pastor Rich Guerra, Superintendent of the SoCal Network. Let me ask you a question. How many love Jesus? I love Jesus, and I also love Teen Challenge and our executive director, Ron Brown. It's amazing that my ministry has been so closely tied to Teen Challenge over the years. Not only have I supported them, but I champion them every opportunity I get. But you need to understand, I tell people, my grandparents came from Mexico, my dad was a gardener, and today I'm the superintendent. Matter of fact, at the age of five years old, I gave my life to Jesus Christ. So I don't have a testimony in how to overcome drugs because I've never taken drugs. I can't tell you how to be delivered from alcohol because I've never, well, that's not true. Every once in a while, I take a shot of NyQuil. We call that Pentecostal whiskey in our house. But that's the closest thing. I've never had drugs or alcohol. Why am I so committed to Teen Challenge? It's because of my younger brother who struggled with drugs. And because of Teen Challenge, not only is he alive today, but he is serving Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. I love Teen Challenge. I've been asked to speak about the unity of the church. A recent report revealed that the greatest concern ministers have today in America isn't about the COVID virus, isn't about the financial hardship, their own health. Their greatest concern was the disunity in the church. See, I believe it's not the attack from the outside, but it's the disunity in the inside that is hurting the church. Why is it important that we become more unified as a church to meet the challenges of today's culture and to be the church that Jesus Christ has called us to be? There's a story in the New Testament. It's found in Luke chapter 13 starting with verse 10, and it says this. On a Sabbath, Jesus was teaching in one of the synagogues, and a woman was there who had been crippled by a spirit for 18 years. She was bent over and could not straighten up at all. When Jesus saw her, 
he called her forward and said to her, Woman, you are set free from your infirmities. Then he put his hands on her, and immediately she straightened up and praised God. From this story, we can see a church that is united sees people. A divided church only sees themselves. At this time in Jesus' life, literally thousands of people are following him. And he'd make his way into a synagogue, and he would teach from God's word. And there, this woman who had been crippled by the Spirit comes in. And it says that Jesus saw the woman. How could he see her? She's bent double in a room that's crowded. There was no seats. They're all standing. We see recorded one of the greatest miracles in the Bible is that Jesus sees this woman. There are seven billion people on this planet, and Jesus sees every one of them. He sees your tears. He hears your cry. And Jesus sees this woman. My question is, do you see people around you or do you only see yourself? When I pastored, I used to tell my people, why don't you invite your unsafe friends to church? And they would tell me, we don't know any unsafe people. You don't know any unsafe people. They work with you. They go to school with you. They live across the street from you. Some of them live in the same house you live in, but you don't know them because you don't see them. The Bible says that when he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. A united church sees people all around them. A divided church only sees themselves. But then our story tells us that a church that's united will take a risk. A divided church rejects change. This woman takes a risk. She's crippled by this spirit, and yet she hears Jesus is coming, and so she makes her way into that crowd, and Jesus takes a risk by calling her out. She could have said no. She could have said, Lord, I kind of like my condition. You know, I'm kind of used to it. I can see all the loose change that people drop on the ground. It's amazing when you take a risk, Jesus takes a risk, bam, something supernatural can happen you got to be willing to take a risk. But a divided church rejects change. We've never done it that way. We've never done it that way. We've always done it this way. You know, we've always sang these songs. We've always done, well, maybe that's the problem. Maybe it's time to take a risk. Aren't you glad that one day Jesus took a risk on you? You were lost. You were broken. And he takes a risk. Don't you think we should take a risk that those that live in our community, those that have been rejected, it's not the time to do it the way we've always done it. Maybe it's time that we take a risk for Jesus Christ. Then our story tells us that a church that's united will reach out to others. A divided church wants us for and no more. Everywhere I go, I ask people, Tell me the best thing about your church. And they always say, oh man, we are so friendly. And I'm thinking, do you have to stumble into this building to find the most friendliest people in this community? Or are they friendly outside of this building? I'm here to say that a United Church is constantly reaching out. Let me just be real honest with you. I believe this pandemic hasn't hasn't exposed how corrupt our government is. We've always known it's been corrupt. 
It was in corrupt in Jesus' day. What it has exposed is the apathy of the church. For the last 20 years in America, church attendance has been in decline. That people would come once a month and think that they were faithful attenders. What is it exposed that the church is no longer the center of people's lives? And now they're clamoring that their rights have been taken away. Friend, where are you every Sunday? See, there's enough people in your church right now to reach your community for Jesus Christ. Jesus had 12 disciples. Well, really, he had 11. One guy flaked out on him. And yet, these 11 turned the world upside down. There's enough people in your church to reach your community. The problem is not everybody is reaching out. It's what about me? It's what I like. See, it's no secret to grow a great church. The secret is that the people that are there are willing to give up what they like in order to reach people who aren't there yet. And it happens by reaching out. This pandemic has forced us to get out of our four walls and reach out into the community. We've distributed more food we have visited more shut-ins. We have helped more people than we ever have because you can say you love God and you can say you love others, but it's until you reach out and touch someone for Jesus Christ. In our story, it says that Jesus saw the woman. In that crowd, he saw her. But then it also says that Jesus spoke to the woman Later in our story, he calls her a daughter of Abraham. I don't know of how many that are listening to me come from a Jewish background, but Abraham was the father of their nation. And he calls her a daughter of Abraham. Why? Because for 18 years, she's been known as the woman with the evil spirit. How would you like to be known as the demon-possessed person of your community? Many of you have been walking around cursed. Someone told you you're nothing, you're nobody, you'll never amount to anything until you meet Jesus and he calls you a son or daughter. Jesus sees what we can become, not who we are. He sees what our future can be. The question is, do we see it? Do we speak hope into people's life by reaching out? And it says, he reached out to this woman. That you and I are the hands and feet and the heart of Jesus. By reaching out to others, how many in our communities have never experienced a loving touch? They've been victims of abuse. and They're waiting for someone sincerely love them and give them hope. A united church sees people. A united church takes a risk. A united church reach out to others. But the story tells us that a church that's united is able to accept criticism. A divided church is always criticizing. As soon as you say, God used my life, someone's going to criticize you. I've been criticized all of my ministry life. When I pastored, when I was a presbyter, if you could read my email as a superintendent, you'd weep with all the criticism I got. 
You don't want to be criticized, don't do anything for God. But as soon as you say, God, use my life, someone's going to criticize you. But a divided church is always criticizing others. Sad to say that most people know what we're against because of the criticism Christian people have rather than what we're for. See, in our story, in Luke 13, 14, it says indignant because Jesus healed on the Sabbath. The synagogue ruler said to the people, there are six days for work, so come and be healed on those days, not on the Sabbath. Wait, does that seem a little strange to you? That the synagogue ruler has like the greatest miracle in the history of his synagogue. And he says, hey, 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 there'll be no more healing in the synagogue on a Sabbath. Does that seem strange? It happens in our churches every weekend. That people come in hurting and broken and they leave the same because they're afraid they might be criticized by a church that finds themselves always criticizing others. Notice Jesus' response. The Lord answered him, you hypocrites. Jesus never called sinners hypocrites. He called religious leaders who are more concerned about ritual and tradition than the needs that are around them. Oh God in heaven, I pray you don't call us a hypocrite. Though we will be criticized because we're reaching people that no one else loves, that no one else wants. But please help us not to be critical of others. Let me conclude with one final point from our story. A church that is united will be spontaneous. A divided church will put it off until tomorrow. It says when Jesus saw her, he called her forward. How many opportunities do we miss because we're not spontaneous? She could have said, I'll wait till next week. I hear Peter's coming and he has the shadow ministry. But she was spontaneous. The United Church sees a need in a spontaneous. The church that's divided will wait until tomorrow. A person will say, I'll get involved later. I'll give later. I'll pray later and miss God's blessing for you today. I always talk about my grandpa. He was my hero. When I was in Bible college, he passed away and my parents called me and said, can you come home? Your grandpa passed away and he always wanted you to preach at his funeral. Of course, he was my hero. I always wanted to be like him. And so I'm there at home around the family table and they're talking about my grandpa and my parents say to me, son, you remind us so much of your grandpa. That was the greatest compliment I'd ever received because I love my grandpa. And I said, is it because how I preach? And they said, no, no, your grandpa was a great preacher. <laughs> he was. Is it how I love others? He said, oh no, your grandpa really loved others. I said, then what is it that I remind you? They said, you're stubborn like your grandpa. <laughs> My grandpa was stubborn. I remember every Christmas time, he would tell his people of his church to gather food and bags of clothes and Bibles, and he would load up his truck, 
and take it down into Mexico. And they would tell him, Pastor Guerra, we don't want you to go. You always go and you always drink the water and you eat their food and you always get sick. We don't want you to go anymore. But he was stubborn. And one Christmas time, he asked me to come with him. About 10 years old, and my mom is just freaking out because I'm stubborn like my grandpa. And I would wander off, and it was Christmas time, it was cold, so she buys me one of those hunter hats. You know, the kind that have the fur that you can pull over your ears? But this one was bright red. In case I wandered, because I don't speak Spanish, she thought they would never find me, but at least you could see me for miles away. There he is, there's little Richie, way out there. So my father agrees to go, and so he's driving. I'm sitting in the middle of my grandpa. We drive into Mexico. We come off the, the highway onto a dirt road. Or it seems like we're traveling forever. I said, Grandpa, there's nothing out here. He says, Mijo, we're almost there. And after a few hours, we come into this valley, and it's a sea of cardboard boxes. But they weren't boxes. They were homes. And these people rushed out of these boxes when they saw my grandpa's truck running to the truck, not for the food or clothing, but that the man of God who promised he'd come back and tell him about Jesus had come back. And after sharing the gospel with them and baptizing them in the river, he said, we're going to give you some gifts. And so they lined up and my grandpa says, Mijo, I want you to get in the back of the truck and give everyone a bag of clothes and a bag of food. But grandpa, I don't speak Spanish. He said, that's okay. Just give them what you have. And so I'm giving bags of food and bags of clothing. And all of a sudden, this one little boy about my age comes up with his two little buddies come alongside. And I could see he has a t-shirt on, jeans, and no shoes in the middle of winter. And I give him a bag of clothes, and he says, no, 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 no. And I noticed his T-shirt is ripped, and I could see his ribs. I knew he hadn't eaten. And so I give him a bag of food, and he says, no, no, no. I felt so helpless. What could I do? He doesn't want the food. He doesn't want the clothes. All along, he's staring at my head. <laughs> he's looking at my hat. I take off my hat, I look at him, I look at my hat, I look at him, I look at my hat. And spontaneously, I gave him my hat. He puts that hat on, turns around, and walks down that dirt road, the proudest Mexican in all of Mexico with his two little buddies right behind him. I turned around, and my grandpa had seen the whole thing. He had this big smiling face on his and I knew why he risked his life every year. And I said, God, I never want to forget the power of being spontaneous, seeing a need, and saying, God, help me to do something about it. Friend, if you look over your right shoulder, there's someone looking at you. And his name is Jesus Christ. He's waiting for you to surrender your life. Today, you can be forgiven of your sin. Today you can be set free from what binds you. Today you can have new purpose and meaning in your life. You've just got to be spontaneous today. Today you can get involved. You can support Teen Challenge. You can help these that are in the program graduate with new life. But you've got to be spontaneous today. But if you look real close, he'll have a smile on his face 
and will say to you, well done, good and faithful servant. Let's be the church that will arise united, showing the love of God to everyone that we meet and impacting our communities for Him. Would you bow in prayer with me? So thankful today, oh God, for the ministry of Teen Challenge. It saved my brother. And it saved so many people that have been affected by addiction. But Lord, we were all addicted to sin. But because you saw us and that you spoke to us and that you reached out and touched us, today we can be forgiven of our sin. We can be set free from what binds us and we can have new purpose and meaning in our life. My prayer is those that are out there will ask Jesus into their heart as their Lord and Savior. And once they make you the Lord of their life, they can be set free from the things that have bind them. And now they can have a new purpose and meaning in their life. Thank you that we can arise united and be a church that you are smiling upon. We thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. God bless you and impact your communities for Christ. Thanks for choosing the Teen Challenge of Southern California podcast. If you haven't subscribed yet, do it today. It's easy. Go to wherever you get your podcasts, click on our icon and hit subscribe. A new podcast filled with godly encouragement, spiritual instruction, and teaching comes out every week. God bless you today.